thought I had a difficult name. I've always thought it was easy enough. My last name is Simmons, S-I-M-M-O-N-S. Of course, I wouldn't think it was difficult. It's a name I've been hearing my whole life. But as I've gotten older, I realize how many people don't know how to pronounce it simply by looking at it on a piece of paper. I routinely get phone calls from people who refer to me as Mr. Simons instead of Mr. Simmons. I bring that up not to complain about telemarketers. I mean, with all that's going on in the world, wouldn't it be nice if telemarketers were our biggest complaint right now? The reason I mention that confusion is to point out that when someone does not know how to pronounce my name, it's usually an immediate indicator that this is not someone I know on a personal level. Imagine if my own mom called me on the phone and addressed me as Mr. Simons. She would never do that, would she? Why? Because we have a personal relationship. And because she knows me, she knows my name. I'm sure you could think of a similar analogy. In our home, we like to give nicknames. It's a way of showing affection and indicating that we're part of an inner circle, as it were. I don't refer to my sons as Mr. Simmons. I call them by their name or by one of the nicknames we've given them. And they don't call me Mr. Simmons. They call me Dad. Names are incredibly important. We invest them with meaning. And what we call one another is typically an indication of our relationship to one another. It should be no surprise that God tells us to be careful when we use His name. Listen to the third commandment. This is from Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Narrowly, this commandment says that we should be very careful with God's name. To take the Lord's name in vain is to speak or invoke or otherwise use his name in a way that is frivolous or empty or insincere. God's name represents his character. And that makes sense, doesn't it? We use the word name in the same way. We speak of someone having a good name by which we mean a good character or reputation. The third commandment has to do with us being careful how we use God's name since it represents God's character and reputation. But each commandment, along with its more narrow application, also applies more broadly. I want to point out at least three things that this commandment prohibits. First, it prohibits speaking of God irreverently. Now, this application may be the most obvious to us. In fact, I would suggest that it may be the very first and perhaps only thing that comes to many people's mind when they think of the commandment not to take the name of the Lord in vain. It means that we should never speak God's name as a curse word or an expletive. That's certainly true, but it's more than using the Lord's name as an exclamation. It also has to do with using God's name in a careless or flippant way. That's the very definition of speaking the Lord's name in vain. It's a prohibition against speaking His name carelessly, frivolously, or insincerely. I'm sure we've all known people who break the commandment this way. They say the name Jesus, for example, without any reference to the second person of the Trinity. Or maybe they exclaim something about God when they stub their toe or get cut off in traffic or bite into some delicious fried chicken. They use words like Jesus and God the same way some people would say shucks or fiddlesticks or wow or something worse. Here's a very simple 
straightforward way of putting it. We should never speak the name of God or Jesus unless we are actually talking to or about God or Jesus. Those names are not verbal fillers that we can throw around in conversation or mutter under our breath. We should only speak of God reverently. I once knew someone who frequently broke the commandment in this way, and someone confronted him about it. They said, I really wish you wouldn't say that all the time. And this was his response. He said, I don't mean anything by it. And his point was, I don't intend any disrespect. It's just something I say without thinking about it. But you see, that is precisely the problem. That is 100% what the third commandment prohibits, using the Lord's name in a careless fashion. If you don't mean anything by it, that is the problem. You're using God's name without attaching the honor and meaning that He deserves as Lord. We should always maintain a sense of reverence and awe when we speak of God, and we should never toss His name around as a casual exclamation. So the first prohibition is against speaking of God irreverently, or to put it positively, we should be careful to speak of God only with honor and with all. Second, this commandment prohibits invoking God's name for personal gain. The Lord will not abide His name being thrown around as an incantation or being used as a source of power or greed. This application of the third commandment is sometimes overlooked, but it is incredibly prevalent in our society to a sad degree. Think, for example, of how many times you've heard a politician describe himself or herself as, quote, God-fearing or even as a Christian. Think about how many political ads you've seen that show a candidate visiting a farm, then holding a shotgun on a hunting excursion, then holding a hymnal next to his family on a church pew. Now, I certainly don't mean to doubt the sincerity of every single politician who has ever done that. I'm sure there are some who legitimately have a sincere faith in Jesus and simply want to speak about it openly and publicly. And of course, if some public figure has a genuine faith and they want to discuss it or bear witness, they should certainly be free to do that. But a person, be they a politician or a business owner or anyone else, who invokes the name of Jesus in order to garner more votes— or increase business, or curry public favor, is treating the Lord's name as a tool for personal gain. And God Himself says that He will not hold them guiltless. When the Lord commands us not to take His name in vain, He means, among other things, that we should not invoke His name for personal gain. The third application, this commandment prohibits misrepresenting God's character. Now, this may be the broadest application and the one that hits closest to home for some of us. There was a time in the Old Testament when God's people were temporarily evicted from the Promised Land for 70 years. It was something God warned them about long before it happened. If they continued in their sin and did not repent, God would spit them out of the land He had given them. During those 70 years of exile, God, through the prophet Ezekiel, spoke some powerful words about what Israel had done by their sin. Listen to what God says in Ezekiel 36, verses 19 and 20. I scattered them among the nations. But when they came to the nations, wherever they came, they profaned my holy name. In that, people said of them, these are the people of the Lord, and yet they had to go out of his land. In other words, 
Israel profaned God's holy name, not necessarily with words. It's not that they verbally cursed God. Instead, they profaned his name with their actions in that the nations said of them, these are the people of the Lord, and yet they had to go out of his land. Now, the good news is that God acted to restore his own name. Listen to what he says in Ezekiel 36, verse 23. I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations and which you have profaned among them. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. Do you hear that? Israel profaned God's holy name with their unrepentant sin. But God intended to vindicate the holiness of his name through them, through their repentance and restoration. So the third commandment does not merely prohibit misrepresenting God's character. It's a reminder to us that when we take God's name on ourselves, when we call ourselves Christians, for example, we become his representatives for better or for worse. And we should strive to represent him well. For the sake of his name and reputation, we should desire to live holy lives, to love one another, to forgive and bear with one another, to be truthful and trustworthy and so on. Because when we take God's name, our actions and our words will inevitably reflect on him. And that should be incredibly sobering to all of us. It's why Jesus tells us to pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. God is holy, so we should want him to be seen as holy in our lives. God is merciful, so we should want his mercy to be visible in our mercy toward others, in our speech, in our attitudes and actions and motives. We should have a zeal for the reputation of the one who has saved us. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Henderson Baptist Church. If you'd like more information about our church, you can visit us on Facebook or check out our website, hendersonbaptist.org.